This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. When you watch college football for as long as I've been watching the game, you will have your hits, you're going to have your misses, that goes without saying. But you also know transcendent talents when you see them. There are some players that just have that, what I call, it's just that God-given sauce in their game. And when you see it on Saturdays, you know it. You don't have to think about it. It's not a question. You know that those players that you're watching on Saturday... Those are players that are going to fire at the next level. And if they don't fire, then everybody in the world is going to, is going to be wrong about them. You've got your Reggie Bush when he was at USC, Saquon Barkley at Penn State, Julio Jones at Alabama, Odell Beckham Jr. at LSU, Larry Fitzgerald when he played at Pitt, Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma, Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. Those are just a few who weren't just good in college. They were great. Their skill set was something that nobody can contend with. It just, you could not stop those players in college. And you knew right away when watching them that they had the skill set to be dynamite at the next level. Now, before you press the pause button on Reggie Bush, he was Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey was CMC. He was well ahead of his time. And he landed on an offense in New Orleans who was probably one of the few teams who knew how to truly maximize a player of his skill set. And He was phenomenal as a rookie in New Orleans. He was phenomenal his sophomore year in New Orleans. Now, injuries took a toll on Reggie Bush, but he was a very, very good NFL player who, if he could have stayed healthy, who knows what Reggie could have become. And we could not have foreseen this happening because at USC, he played all the time. Rondell Moore is just like that, folks. He has that level of transcendent talent. He is that that elevated of a player that I am fully confident of lumping in with those guys right now. And yes, I get it. He lacks the proto- prototypical size that we covet. He is he is not six foot four, 215 pounds. But I urge you, please, please watch how he plays. Watch how he wins. Watch how explosive and dynamic he is in and out of his breaks. He's a thickly built player, and watch how powerful he is on each and every reception that he has. He's just so damn good at playing wide receiver on a team where outside of their tight end, everybody knows he's getting the ball. 
Every defensive coordinator that goes up against Purdue, their number one focus is, is to take away Rondell Moore. Stop Rondell Moore. And they cannot do it. They can't do it. And I know it's early in the season. We're only two weeks in. But I don't need to see another snap from this kid to know that he's special. He's not eligible into 2021, but if you've got a chance to join a Debbie League, whether it's in the middle of this season, at the, at the end of the season, make this guy your 101. And for those of you who are lucky enough to have them on your rosters already, just rejoice because you have a potential future All-Pro on your bench chilling, baking, getting faster, getting stronger, learning more about the receiver position, becoming more refined, getting hungrier, waiting to unleash his holy hell on the NFL come 2021. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal wide receiver. And I know players like Jerry Judy and Travis Etienne are in this 2020 class. And Jerry Judy is an outstanding wide receiver prospect. But Rondell Moore has something about him. There's something when you watch him play that I really believe and I hold true to what I've said on this show, what I've said on Twitter, what I've said in my writing over there on DLF. He will be the wide receiver one in Debbie before the end of this season. He is that good. In an early preview, please, please, if you can, find somebody with the Big Ten Network package, subscribe to it for a day, and then cancel it. But you're not going to you're not going to want to miss Purdue versus TCU next weekend. Jalen Rager versus Rondell Moore, and TCU's defense is a lot better than the two defenses he's played already. So this will be an excellent matchup of two dynamic weapons at the wide receiver position. And I just have to say, I er, just watch how he plays. I don't care what his height is. I don't care about any of that because I see it. He has displayed it. He is unstoppable. He is the baddest MFer in college football, period. All right, now we had a great day of college football on Saturday and I'm starting now with the superstars. The stars came and the stars showed out. They shined. They played phenomenal. They looked good in the games. Rondell Moore, 13 receptions, 220 yards, and one TD. He was the leading receiver in college football over this past weekend. Looked great doing it. I watched every catch. <laughs> he, I mean, he's just so dynamic. And I know I just opened a monologue talking about Rondell Moore, but 13 for 220. That's after he had 11 receptions in the opening uh, the opening game in week one. He is an unstoppable force. You cannot stop Rondell Moore if you've got an opportunity to trade for him. I gave up DeAndre Hopkins in a complete rebuild team. Kitchen Sink League run by Ryan McDowell over there on DLF. My team is hot garbage, and I had no Debbie picks. I didn't have any auction money. I was taken over for an owner, and I ended up selling DeAndre Hopkins, and I got back Keontae Ingram, Rondell Moore, and DJ Moore. I'm totally fine with that because my squad was devoid of all talent. I had to acquire some young guys. I ended up getting CeeDee Lamb. But Rondell Moore is somebody that I'm very, very, very excited about. By the time he's eligible for the NFL, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins will have another year or two under his belt. So try to get this kid if you have an opportunity to do so. Now, another wide receiver that stood out over the weekend CeeDee Lamb, junior wide receiver out of Oklahoma, six receptions, 144 yards, and one TD. Got back on track after 
I'm not even going to call it a down week. Oklahoma just rolled Houston in week one. And CeeDee Lamb, I mean, Jalen Hurts spread the ball around, so, so Lamb really wasn't a big part of the game plan. But he made a miraculous, I'm not even going to say it was miraculous, it's CeeDee Lamb. That's what he does, right? He makes ridiculous catches. But he had a phenomenal deep ball throw. His tracking ability, his spectacular catch rating, if they had one, is 100. He is just such a good wide receiver. And for to see him and Jalen Hurts start to get on the same page, that was very encouraging. Takes on UCLA this week. I expect him to have another monster performance against the Bruins. Jerry Judy, all right, let's 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 talk about Jerry Judy real quick because on this show, I have said for months that are we so sure that Jerry Judy is the wide receiver one in this 2020 class? Are we for certain that players like Jalen Rager or CeeDee Lamb or Tyler Johnson or, you know, even T. Higgins to a certain degree, are we certain that those guys can't push Jerry Judy? LaVisca Schnault, I left him out, but we're going to talk about Visca in a little bit. The answer to that question is... No, they can't. <laughs> Jerry Judy is the 101 of wide receivers in the 2020 class and currently uh, the Devi wide receiver one as well. He's just so good. I, I, I really did not believe that he could get much better than what he was last year, but I think he has gotten better. He looks a little bit stronger. He looks a little faster. His route running has always been superb, but eight receptions, 103 yards and three TDs against a team that, you know, they pose no real threat to Alabama whatsoever, but Judy just continues his dominance and assault on college football and shows why he's going to be a Calvin Ridley plus type player at the next level. I would like to see him get a little bigger, put on a little more weight, get a little stronger, but Jerry Judy, the chemistry and the rapport that he has with Tua, there's nobody that's going to stop him this season. He was outstanding in that matchup in limited duty. Now, let's go to the running back position and talk about Jonathan Taylor. Now, his stat line doesn't scream all-world performance from a running back. 19 carries, 102 yards, three touchdowns, which is great. But what I'm really just so excited about is the fact that he is constantly involved in the receiving game, had another receiving touchdown this game, three receptions, 17 yards, but they're using him. He said he worked on that over the summer, and it's showing. It's showing, and it's helping his stock. His stock is only rising in the in the Debbie community, in the NFL community. I'm very, very encouraged by what I've seen from Jonathan Taylor. And for me, he solidified himself at this point in time as the Debbie running back too. And there is a potential for him to push DeAndre Swift for that one-on-one spot. I'm still, you know, locked into DeAndre Swift, not because I have take lock, but because Georgia is just so good right now. And they, again, they do not... Uh, give one guy a commanding share of the workload, Swift is going to be fresher. Swift is a phenomenal wide receiver out of the backfield, and he's a very capable runner in between the tackles. He's still that guy for me, but Jonathan Taylor is screaming up the rear. Now let's talk about Tua Tungavailoa. He had 227 yards, three touchdowns, chipped in another 33 on the ground and one, but he just looks so good this year. There was a throw, and I'll probably tweet it out, versus Duke where it was a, a rollout to the right, play action, rollout to the right. He threw the touchdown to Devonta Smith. A lot of you may have seen it, but he squares his body up and he delivers an absolute dime over the head of the defender, but not leading Devonta Smith far enough to get smoked by the safety who was in the back of the end zone. He just looks so, so refined. He's going to be a fantastic pro prospect, 
pro player, I believe. Unfortunately, uh, after the games that happened today on Sunday, it looks like he's going to end up playing for the Miami Dolphins, which is not good for his long-term outlook. Hopefully, they'll surround him with some talent and You know, we still got a lot of weeks left of the NFL, but the Dolphins look absolutely putrid. Shout out to Lamar Jackson, absolutely balled out uh, today. I like to give a nod to those young guys that just came out of college, and I was very high on Lamar Jackson coming out of Louisville. But Tua is just so, so talented, so skilled. I don't care that he's lefty. I don't care that he's not six foot three. He's QB one in 2020. He looked phenomenal in this game uh, this this past weekend and is only going to continue to mature and get better. Those are some of the superstars that played and shine. Other notable performances, I thought Justin Herbert, the highlights that I saw of him, he looked very good, as well as Jordan Love, a nice rebound performance from him. Cole McDonald at Hawaii also looked very, very good in that game. There were a a, a ton of wide receivers. Justin Ross, it, it felt really good to see him get on track after only having one reception in the opener. Justin Ross is going to be fine. There was a lot of good football that happened this weekend. Some guys that kind of stayed still for me. Chuba Hubbard, he was not needed in the Oklahoma State game. Still had a touchdown in that contest. Nice rebound performance for J.K. Dobbins. I thought he looked really good in that game versus Cincinnati after having, you know, 20-something carries for only 90 yards. Good to see him break loose and get, get in the open field and show that speed. Henry Ruggs also showed tremendous speed on a 75-yard. It was a uh, a backwards pass, so it actually counted it as a, as a rush. But Henry Ruggs, that dynamic speed, you know how I feel about him. I believe he's going to be a better pro player than he is a college player. So overall, good week of college football. There's some players who really moved there and elevated their stock for me. And let's get into that right now while we're talking about stock. Stock up for LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. Joe Cool, 31 for 39, 471 yards in Austin for four TDs and one pick. And they beat the Longhorns, took them down. Burrow, <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm telling you, nobody picked him in a in a three, four round Debbie draft. He's just chilling. Joe Burrow is making some noise. And you know that that matchup between he's got he's still got to go through Alabama and they may have to play Georgia, but Joe Burrow's stock is on the rise. The kid can throw. He's got guts. He can move around in the pocket. He's got that. He's got that kind of swagger to his game. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Joe Burrow and what he can do. Let's let's see him continue this momentum on. And it's only been what 14, 15 years since LSU finally got a competent thrower after. Jamarcus Russell. I know some of you, Zach Mettenberger was really good. Nah, Joe Burrow looks to be the best since Russell was at LSU. So I'm excited about his pro potential, maybe. You know, in 2020, he may be one of those surprising guys that sort of just, you know, continue to slow and steady climb up uh, the rankings. So Joe Burrow definitely stock up. Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State. I mean, five for 180 and three. Looks a lot faster than he was last year. He's just an underrated still. I can't believe he's still such an underrated wide receiver. When was a Bolitnikoff Award finalist underrated? But I don't believe Tyron Wallace has talked about enough with uh, with the Jerry Judys, with the LaVisca Chenaults, with the CeeDee Lambs. He should be right up there. And it's funny that I say I don't feel like he's talked about enough. Did you guys see that uh, ESPN, I forgot who it was on ESPN, who said 
we don't talk about Travis Etienne enough as one of the elite running backs. It just blew my mind when I saw that. I tweeted out that video like, who is not talking about Travis Etienne as an elite running back? Neither here nor there. Tylen Wallace needs to be discussed as one of the elite wide receiver prospects in the 2020 class right up there with the big names that we just mentioned. He looks so good doing it. They're going to get him the ball. He's going to put up ridiculous numbers again. And there is a difference between him and his Oklahoma State wide receiver predecessors. I think Tylen Wallace is a lot better than some of those guys who came before him. He is just fantastic with ball tracking. He's aggressive after the one. You'd like to see a wide receiver get that yak. That is Tylen Wallace developing into a yak monster. Now, the next guy I want to talk about with his stock rising is Jalen Hurts. And Hurts has been just, listen, Lincoln Riley, the quarterback whisperer, I don't know what it is, but it looks like he's three for freaking three because Jalen Hurts is probably leading the Heisman race right now early in the season. Another 259 and three, 47 yards on the ground. He was not needed in that contest, but man, his stock just continues to elevate. And I actually saw a mock draft, a 2020 mock draft with Jalen Hurts being selected 1.19, first round, 19th pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I kind of sat back and just shook my head and said, hmm, interesting. You know, it's really easy for me to say, hell no, no way Jalen Hurts is a first round quarterback pick. But Mitchell Trubisky went third overall, all right? And he only started one season in college football. I think if Hurts can continue to perform at the level he's performing, take care of his body, don't suffer any major injuries, why not Jalen Hurts? Why not get a mobile quarterback who can run this air raid type system? Kyler Murray today, he looked putrid. The offense looked stank for the first three quarters. And all of a sudden, he turned it on and is dealing dimes. Why can't Hertz do something similar to that? Now, he doesn't have the arm talent as Kyler Murray, but he's got experience. He can throw the ball. He has got size, and he's athletic. Jalen Hurts' stock is on the rise, and to see him in the first round of a 2020 draft was um, refreshing. It was a, a refreshing twist from the norm. Now, the last guy that I want to talk about, stock rising. And I think it is, and it is like a rocket booster for me, is Florida State running back Cam Akers. 36 carries, 193 yards, two TDs, five receptions, 55 yards, and another touchdown. And what the box scores will never show is he is an absolute beast in pass pro. He will knock your block off. I thought about this long and hard. As far as talent, pure talent, he is probably the number one guy in the 2020 class of all the running backs of just sheer talent, speed, power, size, agility, contact balance. Cam Akers has it all, and he showed it as a freshman. Five-star recruit coming into Florida State. He was dynamic his freshman season. And then, you know, that offense was putrid in 2018. And I believe Cam Akers lost his confidence. He forgot how to run like Cam Akers. But he has been on an ACC assault to start this season. And I can't think of a guy whose stock is elevated for me personally 
more than Cam Akers. I moved him into my number one tier of running backs, top five overall, Devi running backs uh, earlier today over there on DLF. He is outstanding. He jumped Keyshawn Vaughn and he jumped Eno Benjamin. There's no way, first and foremost, that he's going to be an undrafted free agent. He is a TDT, a three-down threat. Run the ball, catch the ball if you need him to stay in and block. He looks really, really good. And I am not going to say the person who I feel like that skill set, his body composition, body composition, his size, the way he runs, his physicality, I'm not going to name the player that he reminds me of because it's just that is elite of elite. But man, if he continues to develop and shows that he can carry this workload, I'm hoping Kendall Bryle still works something that, you know, continue to, to, to keep his confidence up, even though Florida State's looking like not a very good team. Cam Akers is somebody who is, is, is going to please all Debbie owners who either got him on a discount or have had them, uh, had him on their rosters for a very long time. So Cam Akers, shout out to you proving me wrong, and I love it. I told you guys I'm following the guys that I had been down on going into the season more than anybody else in college football. That's Cam Akers. I, I had something with Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne and LaVisca Chenault. Now, that's a great segue into players that I am concerned about. And LaVisca Chenault is one of them. And it's not because of the play that I've seen on the field. When he's on the field, and I've watched Colorado, I've watched every snap, every play of LaVisca Chenault. I've gone back and, and, and cut it up and looked at it. He looks great. I mean, he's he looks faster. He looks leaner than he was last year. He looks faster. He's explosive. His route running looks to be improved. I don't think he's all the way right. I don't think he's all the way healthy. And I was talking to a guy um, at Angelo FF, Angelo Fantasy, I believe. You guys know him on Twitter, does great prospect breakdowns. I was talking to him, conversing with him during the Colorado-Nebraska game, and he was like, LaVisca's shoulder isn't right. LaVisca's shoulder isn't right. And I was watching him after the play. It was taking him, you know, a couple of extra seconds to get up. He's he he checked himself out of the third quarter at one point for a long time. Every time he got hit, I mean, you can just tell that he is not all the way right, and that is concerning. Five receptions, thirty-one yards. He had three carries for six yards. Lost a fumble. Mel Tucker's offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to spread the ball around. I'm not concerned about Lavisca's production numbers, his statistics, because I know what he can do. I'm just concerned about him making it through the season in one piece. I really, really am, and I'm hoping that he does. I'm hoping that nothing that is going on on Saturday Saturdays derails him and what he can do at the next level, but I'm just very, very concerned about his health and long-term prognosis, as well as Eno Benjamin. Now, Eno had a 70-something yard touchdown catch. Arizona State, let me just tell you, not a fun watch. Their offensive line, the same way that Cam Akers looked how he looked in 2018, that's what's happening to Eno Benjamin right now. 24 carries, 69 yards. He did have four receptions for 94 yards and one TD, but good grief. He has nowhere to run. He does not look explosive. He has to dance around and make something out of nothing and is really making a lot of nothing out of nothing. I'm just, I'm concerned about Eno. I like Eno, the talent. 
I like Eno the player, but his offensive situation is not going to lend to favorable statistical outcomes the way it's looking early on in this season. For him or Jaden Daniels, who I'm very excited about as well, they've got to do something at Arizona State to help this kid out because taking that beating and only producing 69 yards on 24 carries, it just, you know, if you're just checking the box score, it just doesn't look good. But if you watch the game, I'm interested to see how Arizona State's offensive line graded out because they did not look good. Neither did Jacob Eason. Now, Eason came out the gates firing in week one. I think I saw something briefly like uh, somebody posted an article or maybe it was a tweet from somebody with a check mark. So, you know, if you got a check mark and you're verified, you know that Jacob Eason was pushing for QB1 in 2020. Pump the brakes. What does Lee Corso say? Not so fast, my friend. Let's we're putting the cart well above before the horse with Jacob Eason. He looked good in week one. He looked stank in week two versus Cal. They lost that game. He went 18 for 30, 162 and one. Just didn't look comfortable in the pocket. Bad decision making, bad throws. Yeah, he's definitely not QB1. He is not QB2. I'm excited about what he could be, but I'm a little concerned. Just did not look good in that matchup versus Cal. We'll see how he does here in the near future, but concerned about those three guys. Jacob Eason, LaVisca Chenault, Eno Benjamin, stock up for Joe Burrow, Cam Akers, Tylen Wallace, and Jalen Hurts. Now, my rising star this week is somebody that I was a little bit lower on, not because of anything that he did on the field. It was just that I had not had an extensive opportunity to scout this prospect, but Mississippi State running back Kylan Hill. 14 for 123 and one. That was after he had a monster performance in week one. I love the way this kid runs the ball. 5'11, 215 pounds, workhorse running back. He also catches the ball out of the backfield. I wouldn't call him a receiver, but he's competent in the receiving game. Kylan Hill is somebody who I would be excited about if I have him on my Debbie rosters. And if I didn't, I'd be throwing some feelers out there to see what that owner would do to be willing to part with Mr. Hill, because I think he's going to be a very, very good pro running back. Is he going to be DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor? I don't know, but he looks damn good at Mississippi State, playing in the SEC, showing speed, power, and versatility. I like that. So my week two rising star, Mississippi State running back, Kylan Hill. All right, I can't leave out this guy. I know I said Kylan Hill is the rising star of the week, But there's another player who's right there, I'd say honorable mention, and it's redshirt sophomore running back, Anthony McFarland from Maryland. And he is an explosive, dynamic, smaller running back. He really reminds me of Devonta Freeman. In the game versus Syracuse, he had 14 carries for 75 yards and two TDs. He also had two receptions for 45 yards and another touchdown. But it's how he looked in the game. That quick, one-cut, get-downhill running ability, He's a slasher. He's got tremendous burst and speed. He's not the biggest guy in the world, about 5'8", 5'9", 200 pounds. But man, he really reminds me of a young Devonta Freeman. So I'm really excited to continue to watch his growth and development. He too is also deserving of the DDP Rising Star of the Week. Now let's talk about some young guns, some true freshmen who have shown very well this early college football season. And let's kick it off with the quarterback. We'll go one quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver. And it's Keaton Slovis, USC fight on Trojans, 
Who the hell is Keaton Slovis? Six foot two, 200 pound guy. He was a middling three star prospect, 26 ranked pro, uh, pro style quarterback, 705th overall player in the 2019 class. That's who Keaton Slovis is, all right? He played at Desert Mountain High School in Arizona. Fun fact, his high school quarterback coach is Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner. So, okay, he had some, some good grooming in high school. He was an early enrollee at USC. Okay, I like that as well. He was there early, learning the offense. He was not projected to be the starter. You had Jack Sears and Matt Fink and JT Daniels. Those were your three. Keaton Slovis, I'm pretty sure, was destined for a redshirt. Well... Jack Sears didn't win the job. Matt Fink didn't win the job. JT Daniels, the incumbent, won the job as he should have. JT Daniels injured his ACL and MCL out for the season. Jack Sears entered the transfer portal. Uh, entered the transfer portal. Steps in Keaton Slovis versus Stanford of all teams. All right. Well, he actually played in Week One, taking over for JT. But his first start against Stanford, David Shaw, the Stanford Cardinals, well-coached team. This is not a, uh, a pushover opponent by any stretch. Pac-12 game, Keaton Slovis opens it up. And what does he do? He goes 28 for 33 for 377 and three, no INTs, and look damn good doing it. He looks so good doing it that I believe the same sort of thing that happened. If you guys are, if there are any USC Trojan fans out there, a couple of years ago when Sam Darnold took over for, oh my gosh, what was the... the tall kid name out of Seattle. He was supposed to be not Max, uh, was it Max Browning? Max Brown, not Max Brown. I don't know who the quarterback was, but he was supposed to be this big time starter at USC and he did not look good whatsoever. Sam Darnold took over and ended up saving Clay Helton's job because Sam Darnold was actually good. Clay Helton's seat was hotter than fish grease. And when JT Daniels went down, I said, that's it. Writing on the wall, Clay Helton is out of there. We may be seeing another situation where Clay Helton is saved by another young quarterback coming in and playing well. Now, it was only one game, but he looked very impressive doing it. Spread the ball around. He's got Tyler Vaughns looking like Tyler Vaughns. I was excited about him a couple of years ago. He had a down 2018 season, but Tyler Vaughns is on a tear to start the early season for the Trojans. And Slovis looks like he could be the guy at SC even when JT comes back next year. We'll see. He's got, he's, got more, he's got more games that he's got to show himself, but he looked poised. He didn't look too big for the moment. He looked athletic enough in the pocket, and he looked like he had command of Graham Harrell's air raid attack. Keaton Slovis is somebody that nobody. If you're in the Debbie world and you drafted Keaton Slovis somewhere over the summer, hit me up. I got to get you on the show so we can talk about your process because we, we, we need that insight of how you saw this coming. But Keaton Slovis is somebody that I'll definitely be trying to acquire come Debbie Drafts next year, you know, to get him late and just kind of stash him away and see what he develops into. Now, George Pickens is somebody we we probably won't have an opportunity to grab late and stash because he's probably on a Debbie roster right now. But man, the five-star recruit, number four ranked prospect, 24 overall in the 2019 class, he looked good in George's last game. Caught an outstanding ball where he just laid out Dove out as a 43-yard reception. He had four catches for 78 and one. Six foot three, 190 pounds. George Pickens looks like he may develop into that guy for Jake Fromm. And they need that. They need to find that go-to guy where in crunch time, Mr. 
12 completions for 115 yard and one Jake Fromm stat line can find somebody to throw those 12 balls to and catch the ball. I think George Pickens is an outstanding prospect. He's going to be a high, high draft pick when he comes out in 2022, and he's looked very good early on. Now, my freshman stud of studs, somebody that I am stamping the Ray GQ logo on, the DDP stamp of approval, is Michigan running back Zach Charbonnet. He's a workhorse type running back and evidenced by his 33 carries for 100 yards, three TDs, and he also had two receptions in the Michigan win versus Army. Now, when you hear 33 for 100, you think, ugh, three yards a carry, that's, that's not very good. That doesn't tell the whole story. He is just such a savvy runner. Michigan was getting bullied all day, and this kid got the ball 33 times as a freshman and hammered it away, grinded out the game. He looked outstanding in pass pro. He can catch the ball, six foot one, 220 pounds, and 24-7 sports actually compared him to David Johnson. Now, 24-7 sports, I love them, use them all the time, but they're comps here. You know, they had Keaton Slovis comp to Kirk Cousins and Jake Smith comp to Trey Quinn. So sometimes they are a little, you know, may, may be on the high end of comps. But Zach Charbonnet, I know in this class you've got Trey Sanders and there's Jerion Ely and John Emery Jr. He's my number one running back out of this 2019 class. I believe he is the guy that you want. He's got the size. He has the speed. He has the three down threat capability. Zach Charbonnet is somebody that I, I every Devy league that I'm in, I want and I hope my league mates listen to this show. But if they don't, or if they do, hell, I'm coming for Zach Charbonnet because I need him on every single Devy roster that I have. I, I want this kid on my roster. So those are my three freshman studs from the week. Zach Charbonnet running back from Michigan, Keaton Slovis quarterback, USC, and George Pickens wide receiver, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. That's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie Podcast, week two college football review. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Quick preview into next week, the game that I'm telling everybody to watch. You want to watch Rondell Moore versus Jalen Rager, TCU versus Purdue. It's going to be a fantastic matchup of two fantastic players. I'm a co-host on the Debbie Happy Hour, so make sure you check out that show. Subscribe to this one. Subscribe to the Debbie Happy Hour. We're going to do a lot of previewing for week three of the college football season. A quick overview of the week's, uh, the prior week's games where we really hammer down what's coming up. And it's a really good format that we have over there. So make sure you check out the Debbie Happy Hour. Hey, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Check out my Developing Assets series over there on DLF. That'll be coming out Friday mornings to get you prepared for the weekend slate of college football games. Other than that, you guys be blessed, be safe, have a good time. Till next time, you guys know what comes next. Drop the music. <laughs>